All right, so here's what we're doing, all right? So we are closing out our study in the book of Philippians, and this is what chapter four is all about, all right? So we open up in verses um, two two through four, and we see Paul hitting something that we've already discussed, which is this internal conflict that's going on inside of the church in Philippi. There's a couple of women that are holding their positions against one another in some conflict that's going on. That's why he says, I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. This is the internal conflict that we discussed at the very beginning of the book. And then later in the chapter, he also talks about this renewed partnership that they have, this theme of partnership that we've seen throughout the whole book of Philippians. He's coming and saying, hey, thank you for re-upping on this partnership. That's why he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again, you renewed your care for me. So he He's he's saying, hey, you're continuing this. This thing that, this partnership that we started off with one another, you're continuing this partnership with me even as I am in prison right now, this financial support, the care that you're sending me, thank you for this. And then sandwiched between these two things is a section of final exhortations that he gives to the church in Philippi. This closing advice for the Philippians that Paul has yet to talk about throughout this letter. And so this is what we're going to look at tonight, these closing thoughts, these final exhortations that Paul gives to his people. And Paul addresses in these exhortations a topic that is so pertinent for us. It's so critical. It's something that every single one of us are feeling right now. It's anxiety. Paul addresses the idea of anxiety and worry. He says, do not worry about anything. So the Philippians, they're facing persecution for their faith in Christ. And any one of us, would, if we were experiencing this, just as the Philippians are, we too would be dealing with worry and anxiety because of this outward pressure of persecution that would be coming towards us. Now, while our circumstances are different, worry is something that every person in this room deals with. There's not one person that doesn't deal with anxiety or worry. Mental health issues are going through the roof in just the last couple of years. Literally over a third of every dollar that is spent in the continental United States is spent on mental health issues. This is something that is just extremely prominent in our society. Every single person in this room can name a worry whenever it comes to your work, your school, your family, your parenting, whatever issue you want to fill in the blank, any one of us could come up with a worry that we may have felt or experienced just this past week. I mean, you name it, we probably have a concern about it. Amen. So this past year has been one of the most stressful years in my own life. I mean, I almost lost an eyeball because I had shingles from the worry that was going on in my life. So this is a topic that's very prominent in my own life. Like, I deal with it, you deal with it, we all deal with it, and look, Paul addresses it here. And we should heed his instruction. So here's what I want us to do tonight, all right? We're going to take a look at a couple of ways that Paul gives us to battle worry in our life. A couple of ways that we see in this passage that he gives to the Philippians. To battle worry in your life, it requires two things that we see in this passage at least. It requires a higher trust and it requires renewed thinking. So we'll tease out these two tactics that Paul discusses in these seven verses. We'll work through some application then we'll close out this book of Philippians, okay? So Here's a little caveat before we jump in, all right? So at this point in the book, 
Paul's assuming that people have a faith in Christ. And so the, most of the way that we're going to be talking tonight is assuming faith in Christ as well. Now, for those who have not placed their faith in Christ yet, this is your first step, all right? If you're wanting to deal with worry and anxiety in your life, there is a relief that comes in knowing and following Christ, okay? There's a way that you own and confess your sin when you come to faith in Jesus. There's no more hiding the dark places in your life. You come and you bring these up, you expose them to Jesus, you confess them to Jesus, and at the same time, you realize that you're fully accepted and fully forgiven because of what Jesus has done for you. This is the first step towards dealing with the worry or anxiety that you have in your life because relief comes in both being fully known and being fully accepted in Jesus. So this is your first step. If you want to deal with these things in your life, this is the first step that you take, all right? But even after following Jesus, there's still a battle to be waged against worry and anxiety in your life because we, even though we are completely saved in faith in Christ, we still live in a broken world and still inhabit that world in broken bodies. So this is a topic that we still need to wrestle, wrestle through and deal with. So the first way to battle worry in your life is by, it requires a higher trust, all right? We see this in verses six through seven. So let me read it and we'll dive in, all right? Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So to battle worry, we find that it requires a higher trust through the command to pray. Paul's command, don't worry about anything. But in everything, present your request to God. So essentially, Paul is saying, hey, if, if there's anything in your life that's causing you worry, then you need to pray about it. Now, if you're like me, all right, if you're like me, this may hit you like that mad TV skit that had Bob Newhart in it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where he's acting like a therapist. And so he sits down with this lady. She's like, I have all these fears. I have all these anxieties. And he says, all right, I'm going to give you two words that are just going to deal with all of it. It's stop it. Just stop it. Well, I have all, like these, these fears. I have these phobias. I have these anxieties. I have these relationships that just deteriorate. I have all the, and he just says, no, 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 no. We're not going to go there. We're not going to go in deep into your life. Just stop it. That's what it may feel like whenever you hear Paul say, like, just pray about it. Just pray about it. It may feel simple and trite. But look, this speaks more to our view of prayer than it does the power of prayer speaks more to the view of our prayer than the power of prayer. See, too often prayer is sort of treated as like this last-ditch effort when it comes to our, wor our worries, like a, a Hail Mary, like you're tossing it into the end zone, just seeing if what this last final-ditch effort will finally work with the worries and anxieties that you're dealing with your life. It's not until our worry has gotten so bad or anxiety has gotten so big that we actually give prayer a chance oftentimes. Now, I'm not saying that God is too... The, Like our prayers in these efforts are too late for God to come and intervene in our life. But look, the delay, it does restrict the work of God in our life, okay? It restricts 
the work of God in our life because we confined him to like this very last ditch effort, this short end of the stick at, with the worry that we're dealing with. We, ish, we issue the invitation to God to come and intervene in our life at the very last moment when he could have been working and intervening in our life the whole entire time. So Paul is speaking here whenever he's talking about, hey, come and pray to God, bring your worries to God. Don't worry about anything, but bring your, present your requests to God. What he's speaking of here is a different type of prayer than what maybe you and I are thinking of when we're thinking about bringing our worries, bringing our anxieties to God. He says, don't worry about anything, but look, this should be on the screen, but in everything, present your requests to God. So here's the first type of prayer that Paul's speaking of. Paul is speaking of a prayer that is regular. Not like this broken up, choppy, last ditch effort. He's speaking of a regular. He says, in everything, present your requests to God. This means you trust God with everything in your life. This means that you shouldn't just feel silly about certain worries that are going on. There's no off limits when it comes to the worries and anxieties that you bring to God. There's an author, um, Christian speaker, Jackie Hill Perry. I heard, saw a tweet from hers like a couple of months ago, and it's just kind of stuck with me. Um, she was talking about, I, she just enjoys talking with God about like these, all these small little minute details in her life. She was speaking, she was talking about this opportunity in like the previous day that she lost one of her AirPods around the house. And so she said, I just started talking to God about it. Just, hey, I want to find this producing anxiety, worry in my life. Help me find this AirPod. And she found it. And she's like, I don't feel like this is simple or trite. This is the invitation that God has invited us into to enjoy him, to live with him. This is the type of regular prayers. This is what Paul is speaking of when he says, in everything, present your requests to God. There's nothing that's too small. There's nothing that's off limits. There's no worry that's too trite for God when it comes to the things that we're dealing with in our life. And he's saying, no, in everything, in everything, I want you to bring everything to me. Every worry, every anxiety, everything that's going on in your life, like it's an invitation to come and talk with me about it for us to work through this. I want to be a part of your life. That's what Paul's inviting us into. You see, this kind of prayer, it requires a new outlook for us, all right? So when Christ saves you, he gives you a renewed vision. He gives you a different way to look and perceive at this life. And he's saying, hey, this new sight that Jesus has given you, hey, these glasses that you can put on, leave them on. Don't take them off, don't set them aside, don't, don't settle for a blurred vision of this life that you once lived in. Put on the glasses, this renewed vision that God gives you, this new outlook where you look at your worries, that you look at your life differently, and you see it as an invitation to come and speak with God about everything. The type of prayer that Paul is speaking of is a regular prayer, prayer not a chopped up prayer, not a prayer that is only going for the big things that are in your life. It's not a last ditch effort type of prayer. It's a regular prayer because you bring everything to God. But it's also this prayer that Paul is speaking of is a prayer that is informed. See this later in the verse. So it says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So look, you don't petition someone that is equal or lower in status than you. You don't bring a petition to someone that's a peer 
right? Or someone that may be further down the line when it comes to the order in your workplace or the rank that you have in society, whatever that looks like for us. It's so weird to say, but you don't come, you don't, peti- you don't petition somebody that's equal or lower status than you. You petition someone that has power and authority. And so what Paul is saying is here, like when you come and you pray, know who you're talking to. Know who you're talking to. You see, when you pray, you're praying to a God that's powerful enough to do something about the worries that you present to him and then loving enough to trust him with them. All right, so he's powerful enough because he, we, we can know his track record by knowing the Bible. We know who God is. We know that he's the God who spoke the world into existence. We know he's the one who formed a people for himself from an insignificant, childless, old age man. We know that he freed his people by acts that had never been seen before and then parted the Red Sea, taking them to safety. We know that he conquered world powers and influential cities without any human help. The Bible is filled with works and wonders and accounts of the power of God. So look, we know that he's powerful enough to deal with the worries and anxieties that we bring to him. But look, he's also loving enough that we can trust him with our worries. Not only is he power enough to deal with them, but he's also loving enough that we can trust him with these issues of our heart that we bring to him, these vulnerable moments where we're bringing and saying, God, these are things that matter to me. These are the things that are breaking my life apart. I want to come and I want to pray them into your hands. He's loving enough to deal with our worries and our, and our anxieties. We know this because look, he's, he's provided for both our deepest need as well as our felt needs. He's provided for our deepest need, the thing that we couldn't deal with on our own, which is our broken relationship with God. He sent Jesus to fill in in our place where we couldn't step in and fix this. He sent Jesus to come in and fill and work out the brokenness that's in our relationship with God. Jesus stepped in. But look, he also provides for our felt needs. Every single day, Matthew 6, God is working out and providing for us in our deepest needs. We're clothed better than the lilies of the field. We're, be- we're fed better than the birds of the air. Literally everything that God has done for us, both our deepest need and our felt need, he's provided for you. So look, you can look to the Bible and you can find accounts that God is powerful enough. He's strong enough to deal with my anxieties, but he also loves me enough that I can trust him to take care of them and hold them in his soft hands. Now look, can you imagine the impact that this type of prayer, this required higher trust, would have on worry in your life? I mean, it would absolutely change your life to have regular prayer, informed prayer that you know you're going to, that he's powerful enough, and he's also loving enough to deal with your worries. It would change your life. And verse 7 gets at this as much as that. It says, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying, it'll give you the peace of God. Look, nothing worries our God. There's nothing that causes anxiety or worry in the life of God. And he's saying, I can give you that same, that same stability. 
Nothing that Paul also says that it surpasses all understanding. This contentment that he provides transcends what you and I could even or imagine. He also says that it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. He's saying this peace is like this garrison, these troops of soldiers that are stationed around your head and your heart and the attacks of the evil one cannot penetrate their forces. That's what this peace of God is like whenever it comes on you through regular and informed prayer. I want this. You want this. But here's the reality. Like, you still may be wrestling with some doubts, right? Like, I don't know. I've never done this before. I've never prayed like this. I I don't know how. Like, I've tried this before, and it just didn't seem to work. Well, look. Paul's not offering us a new theory to try. He's offering us a new way to live. This is a new pattern by which he's saying, hey, this is the way in which you live. And it's not something that he's saying like, hey, let's, let's test this out. This is an idea that I have. I'm throwing this out to you and let's try this out. No, Paul's speaking from his experience. So look, he's saying, hey, doubt your doubts. If you're looking at this call to prayer and you're wondering, you have some skepticism, he's, he's like, hey, doubt your doubts because I've done this, I, I've lived this out. Like, I've, I've had this experience. Like, we know this, that he's, he's practicing it as he's writing this. He's in prison, and there's likelihood that there's death on the other side. So he's writing this, and he's saying, hey, pray about everything. He's like, hey, I, I'm doing this now. Like, I'm living this out. I'm doing this right now before you. You see elsewhere that he's received 40 lashes minus one five times. You see that he's been beaten by rods three times. You see that he was nearly stoned to death, literally left because they thought he was dead and people took him up and ushered him out of the city and helped him get well. We see that he's been shipwrecked three times, spent a night and a day in open sea. If there's anybody that should know what worry and anxiety is like, it's Paul. And look, he's standing before you and he's saying, pray everything. Be regular in your prayer. There's nothing that's too low for God. Be informed, like know who you're coming and you're talking to. He's powerful and loving. He can deal with all of your anxieties. So you're like, okay, all right, all right. But where do I start, right? What, how do I begin a new practice in my life? Well, here's a few questions that you can start with, all right? Here's a few questions. Here's the first one. What are my worries? Look, sometimes we get too rushed where we don't stop and even think or know or like take time to really assess our own heart. Like slow down. Like pay attention. Like what are the things that are causing worry and anxiety in your life? Write them down. And then here's the second one. What are my triggers? Like what are the things that like you can tell like your heart skips a beat or there's, you get really, really impatient. You get short-winded, you, you, you lose it on somebody whenever your temper is run really low. Like, what are the triggers? And then look, what are the remedies? What are the things that you're running to to try to medicate the worry and anxiety that you're dealing with in your life? Look, we talk about how busy we are, but the reality is, is we do what we want, <laughs> okay? The reality is, is we do what we want. We talk about how busy we are, but yet I think there's like, 
It's an hour and a half to two hours that people watch on regular per day of Netflix or streaming TV. The reality is like you do what you want, okay? What are you running to? What are the things that you're medicating the worry and anxiety that are going on in your life. Look, these are the things that you start with. You address, like you know what your worries are. You figure out what the triggers are in your life. And then you figure out what am I running to to try to medicate these worries and anxieties that are going on in my life. And whenever you identify these, then you step in and replacing them with prayer. I'm not saying that you have to get rid of everything that you're doing. What I am saying is, These are the things that help you know what it looks like to step into these new patterns and these new rhythms that Paul's given you here. This action of prayer. Okay, I know what my worries are so I can bring these to God. I I know the triggers in my life. I know the things that cause anxiety and worry and panic in my life. Whenever I feel these, I sense these, I bring these to God. When I sense that I'm running to other things to try to medicate when I come home and I just feel overwhelmed and I feel anxiety and I feel worried, I'm worried about the next day at work and I'm running to these things and medicate, I I come and I I pray. I bring my request to God. That's what Paul is saying here. This is a new pattern. This is a new rhythm for the Christian life. And look, he says it brings the peace of God. Brings the peace of God. So this is the first requirement to battle worry. It's a higher trust. You pray. You regularly pray and you, you have informed prayers and the peace of God guards our hearts and minds. This is a long-term game, not just a short-term game. It's a new pattern. It's not a theory that we're to try, right? So that's the first one. The second one is this. That it requires new thinking. We see this in verses eight through nine. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you, all right? So consider what Paul's doing here, all right? He's saying, take your worries to God. This is a passive work, all right? You're bringing these worries and anxieties to God, to someone that's more powerful than you, that has more authority than you to deal with your anxieties and worries. But then look, he says, dwell on these certain things. He's giving you a list of things that are good and necessary for you to dwell on. This is an active work that he's now calling us to. So look, the battle against worry, it requires a higher trust, someone that's bigger than you, that's more powerful than you to deal with your worries and anxieties. But look, God is also inviting you to participate in this work of the battle against the worry and anxiety in your life. The battle against your worry also requires renewed thinking. All right, we see this in the command in verse eight. It says this, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, dwell on these things. So at this point, I think it's helpful for us to, like, to ask, okay, what is worry, right? What is worry in our life? Well, worry is this, it's both a destination and a conversation. Worry is both a destination and a conversation. Here's what I mean. Worry is, feared out, is a feared outcome that we treat as reality. It's like this destination that we feel like is true, that is like a part of our life when in reality is just something that we've imagined into existence. Worry, here's a, a quote that, I'm, that helped me kind of think through this. Worry involves imagining the future in a worst case scenario and then freaking out about it. All right. So it's scheduling the doctor appointment. 
and then envisioning the dire diagnosis that you're in, you already have the tombstone engraved of like what's going to be said on your tombstone because it's like this is what's going to happen. It's studying for the final and then foreseeing the F. And so you initially already begin thinking through what are the alternative career paths that I'm going to have because I'm about to fail this test. It's, dis, it's um, disciplining your child and then picturing the therapist that they're going to have later in their life, right? The broken family that you're going to have because of the one mistaken thing that you said in this one instance as you're sitting down with your child. This is what, this is what it's talking about. Worry is a destination. Like you immediately jump to the worst case scenario and then you start freaking out about it. But it's also a conversation. You don't get to this end result, this destination without having a conversation that helps to get you there. All right, so here's, <laughs> I, had, I don't know who said this, all right? So the I forgot is because I don't, <laughs> I don't remember, all right? But it says, this person said, worry is a spiral of toxic thoughts. Worry is a spiral of toxic thoughts, all right? So I was at um, this retreat a few years back, and there's a couple of pastors that I felt like kind of hashed this out so well. It's this self-awareness retreat. And so they're talking about just the spiral of the toxic thoughts that lead you to that destination, all right? So let's take that doctor's appointment it, like illustration. This is what they use. So they said, you, you schedule the doctor's appointment just for the routine exam. Right? And so you're, you're getting ready. You're getting ready to go to the routine exam. And so as you're thinking about it, you're thinking, okay, what are the things that I need to bring up to the doctor? What are the things like I felt in my body, the things that I need to probably address? Because, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to get sick here anytime soon. I want to make sure that, like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to see the doctor beyond this. So I need to bring these things up just so he's aware. And so you're like, I, I've, had these, I've had these aches a couple of times, like, in my side, you know, like, Whenever I go running or something, after I get done, you know, I just have this like pain that's kind of like stayed in my side. I should probably bring that up to the doctor. And, you know, as I bring that up, he's, as soon as I bring that up, he's probably going to like, well, let's, let's check that out and we'll go to the scan. Like, we'll, we'll have that scanned out. We'll figure out what's kind of going on in your body. And so he's going to take me to get the scan. And so it'll take a couple of weeks probably for me to hear back from him. But as soon as I hear back, it's probably going to be like, well, here, here's the possible diagnosis that could come back as, as I get the scan results back. And so here's, here's probably the conversations that I would have with the doctor. And, oh, man, like, here's the type of treatment that I'm probably going to have to have. And then, like, here, man, here's probably the amount of time I have left to live. And then, like, here's the conversation I'm going to have to have with my kids and my wife. And here's, like, all the things i got to get in order as I'm trying to think through, like, just what the end of my life is going to be. And, like... It, you start like going to the worst end result. There's this toxic thoughts and conversation that leads to the end destination. And look, it leads to dread. It leads to like things of like fear of death. And it leads to these feelings of despair. And Paul is saying this, like this isn't a godly mindset. This isn't what Christ saved you for. This isn't the place that your mind is to be set on and to dwell. Look, if there's any hope-filled people in the world, it's those that are followers of Jesus. This is why the battle against worry only, doesn't only reside in your heart, the higher trust, you're taking these things of your heart to God, but it also is in your mind because what, what the Bible tells us is this walk with Jesus is this renewing of your mind, renewing of your thoughts. We see this 2 Timothy 1.7. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and sound judgment. So look, what Paul's saying is, hey, 
this is not the way that you think, and here's what you replace these thoughts with, all right? Here's what you are to think of. You think about what is true, not false. You think about what is honorable, not dishonorable. You think about what is just, not unjust. You think about what is pure, not impure. You think about what is lovely, not repulsive. You think about what is commendable, not wrong. You think about what is morally excellent and not filthy. You think about what is praiseworthy and not shameful. These are the things that you are to set your mind on, the things that you are to dwell upon, not on the things of despair. Because that's not you, Christian. You're filled with hope. You know your final destination. The diagnosis doesn't remove that from you. The approval that people may have of you or that you find in other people, it doesn't define you. These are the things that you don't have to worry about as a Christian because God has, has you, he's gripped you, and he's not ever letting you go. So he's saying you dwell on these things because these are the things of God. This is what fills our minds. And the renewing of our thoughts, it affects our actions. You see this in the very next verse. Dwell on these things, is what Paul says, and do what you have learned and received and heard from me and then seen in me. There's no coincidence that Paul is addressing your thoughts and then he moves into action. You say, you dwell on these things. These are things that occupy your mind. And as you occupy your mind, it affects the way that you live. He's like, hey, and you can look at me. The very person that's telling you these list of things that this is what you think about. You can also look at the way that I pattern my life. You see me. You see me live before you. The things that you saw in me. Go and do these things. Don't just think like me, but go and act like me. He's saying there's a pattern here. And here's the promise as you do this. As you think and as you act, it says the God of peace will be with you. All right, so... Is Paul saying that if we don't practice these things, that God will abandon us, right? Okay, if we have the peace of God, if we bring our prayer and request to him, if we think as Paul is saying, as we act as Paul has lived, then the God of peace will be with us. But if I don't, does that mean that God will just abandon me, that he leaves me? No, Jesus' promise remains true. I will neither leave you nor forsake you. This is the promise that he gave his disciples just as he ascended up to heaven. But Paul is, what Paul is doing here is he's charting the course by which we are to experience God's presence most fully in this life. You see the difference? Like God doesn't abandon you, but he's saying, hey, here's the path. If you want to experience the God of peace with you in this life, this is the charted course that, that God has given us, and I'm giving it to you. I'm saying this is the way that you walk and you experience most full that God of peace that has promised that he's never going to leave you or forsake you. All right, so I, I was a coach for um, my oldest uh, cross-country team this, this past semester. All right, and so what we did, um, you had these kids that are just learning what it's like to go and run a cross-country race. So they'd run upwards of three-quarters of a mile to a mile. And so you would have these high school teams that would have a, a runner that would go out far in front and it served as a rabbit, all right? So this person was the one that was one, running and showing the course by which you were, you were to run the race and the path that would get you to the finish line, all right? And so here's what happened, all right? So you have kindergartners that are running races, all right? And they're just distracted by everything, right? Like you, they get up to the line and then there's like a bunch of kids that are on the line and so they're like peeking their head down and they're looking down either side of the line like, 
look at us. We're in our jerseys. We're about to go run a race. And so they have all these different distractions that are going on. And then you have the trees and you have all the adults that are standing around and they're like yelling their child's name. And there's like all this action that's going on. So they're like taking it all in. They're soaking it all in. And then the person gets up and they shoot the gun and they're supposed to start running. And they have all these different distractions that are going on around them. And a lot of them at times have missed where the rabbit is. They don't know the path. They don't know the direction because they've lost sight of the rabbit that's running the course, that's showing them the race. Look, this is what worry and anxiety does for us in our life. It distracts us from the path by which we're to live and walk and experience God most fully in this life. So what Paul is trying to do here is saying, hey, renew your mind. Renew renew the way that you think. Clear out the cloud. Remove the distractions so that you can see the way that you can experience the God of peace most fully in this life. He's saying, look, he, he doesn't leave you. He doesn't abandon you. But what I'm trying to give you is the charted course by which you can clear out your mind and you can experience the God of peace most fully in your life. That's the invitation that Paul's inviting us into. Look, anxiety, we all deal with this, y'all. Every single one of us this past week, whether it's a, it doesn't matter what level you're at, you experience worry and anxiety. And Paul's saying, this is the way that you can live with it and deal with it, all right? Now, as we're closing out, all right, here's a couple of things that this requires, this renewal of our minds. First, it requires discipline. It requires discipline. Look, to stop the, the toxic downward, downward turn of your thoughts and the conversation that takes place in your, your head, it requires discipline. You have to realize what's going on. And so, you, look, you have to stop and you have to reflect and you have to think about what are the thought patterns that are spiraling you out. You have to be able to stop and reflect and identify with that, what that is and then use this list to replace those thoughts that are going on in your mind. And then secondly, look, it requires help. So this can look a couple of different ways. One, it's letting someone else know in your life, like what are these thought patterns that you get yourself into that lead you to places of despair? Or second, you need coaching. This this can look like going to counseling or receiving like help in certain ways where you don't know what it looks like to get out of your head and to get this thought process that Paul's laying before you into your mind. Like, I'm not above this. I'm, I'm probably going to seek this out in my own life. I'm looking at what my body's telling me by having shingles, and it's like, I'm not dealing with my stress well. I'm not dealing with my thoughts. I need someone that can help coach me through what this looks like. And so you go and pursue help. What does that look like for you? Do you need to let someone in or do you need to go seek coaching to help you think through these thought thought patterns in your life? The reality is that we all deal with this. This is a sensitive topic that every single one of us is dealing with. So battle it. Don't just sit there and continue on in the same processes and patterns that you're in. Fight against it. And Paul tells us the battle requires a higher trust and renewed thinking. Let's step into it, church. Let's pray.